0: yo what's going on everybody welcome back it is a brand new episode of bets and banter my name is liam and i pick fights on this channel each and every week and excited to do so once again for bets and banter what is bets and banter it's the show where we come back to you a little bit more educated later in the week we've done our research last week i came at you with an early first look at this card because we were looking at it. you know no ufc a very rare occurrence on a saturday night but now we're back we're in the apex it's a saturday night we got plenty of fights to discuss and we got our guy rich back in the building just win, baby how you doing my man
1: yo liam yeah good to be back bro um the week off has been bullshit. um but yeah ready to break down some fights man
0: absolutely and we have a bunch of fights to get into so let's start as we always do on bets and banter with the first fight of the night, we got Montana De La Rosa taking on JJ Aldrich. And for me, this is a low level women's MMA fight. There's no big plus money involved. Uh, so it doesn't thrill me, but on the Montana De La Rosa side, I feel like she's probably a deserved favorite here. Uh, albeit ever so slightly. I don't think either of these women are a prize at the UFC level, but Montana was preparing for this date, right? She was supposed to take on Stephanie Egger, a talented grappler. A lot of her opponents have been very talented wrestlers and grapplers, and that's what she brings to the table herself. So it's been uphill battles for her. She's a very physical woman, but they're putting her in there with Tatiana Suarez and Macy Barber, more physical women. So I feel like in this fight, you know JJ Aldrich for me has always just been a girl that I don't really trust you know I always think of her as a girl that can make big mistakes that can make costly uh errors in her fights and we've seen her get finished in fights where she was winning before on a on a number of occasions so I look at this fight and I just say Montana de la Rosa seems tougher to me she seems like a dog I think if it plays out purely on the feet she's going to get outboxed here JJ Aldrich's a little bit cleaner a little bit smoother technique but Overall, for me, I just think Montana De La Rosa's grinding style is the kind of thing that can make somebody like J.J. Wilt. So give me Montana in a gross, slimy fight. Uh, I think she's alive to finish this uh, late, but um, I don't know if I'm going to get involved at all. It's a a pretty gross fight to me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, nothing too profound here, man. If you got in on Montana at plus 170 on the opener, um, I think that's amazing. Any plus money is good in this um, position. I'd cap Montana at like minus 150. Um, I think she's good here. The late notice on JJ. She's always coming in out of shape. She looks like shit. Nay Liang took her down three times, um, which isn't a good look. And, um, yeah, Montana should roll here. The short notice um, is a major factor. Uh, I think she will get her takedowns. Submission in round two or three, if you like your props, is a good look. Um, But, yeah, say no more, man.
0: Yeah, we're kind of seeing this one the same way. You know, I just think that Montana's put up an honest fight against a really hard strength of schedule, and her results don't look very good, yet she's being favored in this fight. For me, that kind of is a a pretty strong indication that she's just a more prepared fighter for this date. As we move to the next fight here, just want to shout out our guy, Lenny, showing some love here with the Dono. Absolutely appreciate you, Lenny. Um, And without further ado, we're going to keep it rolling the rest of the way here. We got Johnny Munoz Jr., taking on Orichi Lang. This is another fight that I don't feel very bullish on, Rich, to tell you the truth. Um, It does fit one of my criteria, right? I do look for long-term angles that I don't follow religiously. You know, I don't blindly bet into them, but I do just track them to kind of see how they're doing over the course of the year. And one of the things that I've been watching is these guys that are around the same age, which these two guys are, that have way more experience. Uh, And typically I'm looking for the younger fighter with more experience, but at this case, we're at age parity. These guys are about the same age, but Arichi Lang has had way more fights. So for me, that is one thing I tend to look at over time. But then you look at Arichi Lang's fights, they're all within a pretty thin margin. I don't think he could be a big favorite in the UFC based on what he's shown so far. He does have some power, but he's also a guy that's pretty unproven in this weight class at 135 pounds where he got absolutely starched last time out. Um, so Johnny Munoz, he's not a guy I'm very bullish on in the UFC, but I think he will have some opportunities in the grappling in this fight. So for me, it's just a tricky fight to call. Uh, I would lean towards a Richie Lang here being a slight favorite, but, um, I just don't feel very good about this fight. What do you think, Rich?
1: Yeah, I think it's lined very well. It should be a pick Um, it's binary as fuck, you know, Munoz, he hasn't got hands. He needs them takedowns to win this fight. Um, I would say he's probably sub or bust. I hope we don't see him pulling guard again like he did in his last fight. Um, But to be fair to him, he didn't get knocked out by um, Santos. So that's a little bit of a feather in his cap. Um, I don't like betting people coming off KOs. um, So I've left the Ayori side. But um, I don't mind Munoz in this position. I would have bet the sub, but the line was shit. It was like plus 250. Um, So I think I'm just going to stay away from it, man. Unless I see something significant at weigh-ins or face-offs. Um but yeah like a couple of fights on this card man um you can make a strong case for either fighter so stay away man
0: I agree the thing that ultimately pushed me over the edge is that I just like the team uh for Richie Lang I believe he's been training with the fight ready guys for some time and I also think he didn't really get to show his best in his last fight so for me that's kind of why it's like a buyer a buy low spot on Richie Lang potentially who does have that knockout power against a guy who's pretty susceptible on the feet But on the other hand, you're right that it's probably going to look like a hindsight big favorite, no matter who wins. Cause I do think there's a big chance that a Richie Lang could land some big shots, hurt him, walk him down with some more volume or conversely, just get submitted in the first round. And we're like, uh, you know, kicking ourselves for not betting it. So for me, the next fight is the most interesting one on the prelims. We got Kanako Murata coming back here from a pretty extended layoff, taking on Vanessa Dimopoulos. And I gotta be honest, Rich. When I did my first look on this fight, you know, I had a much different opinion than the one that I have now. Sometimes the research, uh, you know, will sway you in the right way. Sometimes it'll sway you in the wrong way, but I just got to trust my research on this one. I went pretty deep on this, so I'm going to kick it over to you first, see what you have to say, and then uh, throw out what I've got.
1: Yeah, well, I've never been a fan of Vanessa. Um, I don't really like her style. I usually just think she's so robust in her fights um one thing that's particularly alarming is the fact that when she had the fight with maria Oliveira, who i don't rate at all i think she's one of the worst fighters they've ever signed in the ufc um it was a struggle man like um she didn't have a way with her like i thought she would i bet vanessa by subbing that one and got burnt maybe that's um you know pushing me to be a bit biased going forward on her fights now Um the fact i got burnt on that one but yeah like you uh, i think i know what you're going to say marata you know, I was really confident. I thought she's gonna be a parlay piece, but then when I watched the tape and I seen her fight the likes of Ducati and nearly got armbared like three times, and they were deep um, positions, man. Um shame on Emily for not finishing them armbars. I'm just like, is she gonna get finished by an arm bar? Then I'm gonna kick myself for like, you know, it's there, it's in the tape. She's gonna get armbared sooner or later by somebody. Um, so I'm staying away. I'm not gonna bet the armbar for Vanessa the sub. Um sorry. Um, but I just hope I don't kick myself afterwards, man, um, for not taking the shot. But, yeah, there's, there's just a – I've just seen it too many times with Marata, Um And she's going to give Vanessa all the opportunity because you know she's going to take her down and use top control um, and likely win a boring decision. But, yeah, that danger's there, man, um, for the sub by Vanessa. So I'm staying away for that reason. You
0: know, when I thought about it, to your point, I'm thinking parlay piece for Kanaka Murata. Why? Because I first look at it, I'm like, she's the much younger fighter, you know, five years younger, right? Uh, 30 years of age. She comes from Japan. Most people don't know wrestling, right? And that's fine, right? It's a a very niche sport. Unless you've done it, most people don't care about it at the international level, at the college level, things like this. And that's a okay. But I'm a nerd, right? I've been wrestling for a long time. I, I know wrestling. Japanese women's wrestling is fantastic. It's elite. There's no doubt about it. So when I look at girls from Japan that come from a wrestling background strictly, I'm like, whoa, I got to take this seriously because they're world-class. But when I look at Kanako Murata, her wrestling is world-class. I think that's the only part of her game that is world-class, though. And this is a mixed martial arts fight. So I think she's in constant danger when she's fighting. In the first 90 seconds against Verna Jane she almost got knocked out. Uh, The referee came in and was, like, getting close to them, trying to get a good look at her. Her eyes swole up because of a punch from Verna Jandaroba, who's not very good. Um, Japanese wrestling, Daniel, is uh, world-class at the women's level. Go look it up. Go look who wins the Women's World Championship in wrestling in the Olympics. It's not close. Japan is the best in the world. They're better than the USA, who's also quite good and coming on. So, um, yeah, know what you're talking about, brother. I I know what I'm talking about. So, in this case, right, what I'm looking about here is the fact that Vanessa Demopoulos is tough as an old leather boot. I bet her twice as an underdog in the UFC. I bet her against you Frey, a way more experienced fighter than her. Um, you know, I bet her against Carolina uh, Kovalkevich. So when she was a plus 200 underdog, she cashed for me. When she was a plus 115 underdog, she didn't come through. But I had a much bigger bet on the plus 230 than I did on the plus 115. I took a small speculative shot because Carolina is old, right? Which we'll discuss again later. But when we're talking about a fight like this, Kanako Murata, what's her ideal fight? It's to get on top. It's to get takedowns and top control. You look at how she secures them. She typically does it with an underhook, right? She likes to dig an underhook, grab a hold of people, take them to the ground. When you do that against somebody that is an overhook armbar specialist, I think you're going to be in constant danger. I've seen her have to defend in her last three fights, which by the way, have taken place over the course of like four years because she doesn't fight. She hasn't fought in two years. She's fought twice since she's been in the UFC, which she signed in 2020, November of 2020. She's had two fights. Vanessa Demopoulos has had eight fights in that amount of time. So one girl is a fighter and the other girl is not right now. So if she's trying to come back, maybe she can, but this is a speculative investment at minus 270 at minus, uh, or excuse me, at minus 300. So Marata, her fight before that had, you know, competitive grappling exchanges with freaking, uh, what's her name? Uh, random Marcos, random Marcos had a heel hook that she was working on at the end of round one. I'm like, are you serious? Like when I was rewatching it, I couldn't believe it. Random Marcos getting back up to her feet three and four times. So I don't think her top control is all that her submission game is actually interesting, right? She does a lot of what I like to do. So she's after my own heart in that way. She has a wrestling based submission threat, which means she likes to take people down, try and pass the half guard and look for a tight guillotine or a front headlock of some sort and squeeze their head off. Do I think she's going to do that to Vanessa, who's a BJJ black belt with more experience than her? No, I don't think she's going to do that. So for me, uh, I think that Vanessa is going to win this fight. Uh, People told me to always fade strippers against Ginny Frey. That quote exactly. And you know what I said? I'm not going to do that. And then I won a bunch of money. So I'm going to just trust my gut here. I did a bunch of research on this fight. You got a BJJ purple belt versus a black belt. You got a girl that's got a ton of experience who's been very active in the UFC against a girl who hasn't been active in the UFC. It's just, it's just, it's gotta be a dog or pass situation for me, period. So give me Vanessa Demopoulos. I think she wins inside the distance.
1: Yeah. A couple of things on the uh, Morata side. I don't think she actually broke her arm in her last fight. I think it was a dislocation. Um, I don't know whether you did any research on that and can confirm that. Um, I
0: did not on the specific injury, but I did rewatch and she was in like three or four really deep arm bars to her credit. She is tough as fuck. She does not want to tap at all. But she also just gets in horrible, horrible positions. And I've always said, there's no being a tough guy about a choke. So I would like to see Vanessa Demopoulos go for a choke here, um, rather than just the armbar series from her back.
1: Yeah, and um, plus 750 is pretty wild for a women's sub uh, on the Vanessa side. I see Unibet have got it at plus 750. It's uh, pretty wild, man.
0: Yeah, and the one other thing I'll mention, guys. If this fight plays out purely on the feet, who wins? And my answer is, I think it's a 50-50 fight. Like, these are two women of the same size. And Vanessa Demopoulos, her face is a magnet for punches. I'll give you that. She's probably slightly less powerful than Murata overall. I'll give you that. But Murata is not a good striker. I did not like what I was seeing from her. She has a decent jab that she remembers to throw like once every three minutes. But I I just did not like what I saw from her on the feet. And when I look at Vanessa, Vanessa will take one to give one. She will come forward and throw. She will land a half-decent volume for women in this kind of fighting thing. She doesn't have that big a stature, but she's fighting somebody her own size for once. I'm like, I don't know. Give me give me Vanessa. Um, next up, my brother, we've got Nate Maness, Mayhem, taking on Muteas Mundanka. This is one of the last fights that I taped before we got on the air here, my man. And you had told me, uh, you know, last week you told Twitter – that the mush of the week, and I know you've got some some thoughts on this, um, was potentially Mendonca here. And, you know, when I rewatched watched his fight, i got to say I was pretty impressed. Uh, that Javid-Basharat fight, I think it showed some flaws. I think it showed some signs of being a young fighter with some inexperience, but he's very aggressive. You know, even when he was tired, he continued to pursue attacks that were getting the respect of Javid. And him and his brother are very good on the mat. They train with elite, world-class guys. So if you're getting respect from them, if you're getting you know them to back out of situations and positions, I'm taking that serious. And I do think that he's got good guillotines. I think he's got the right idea. He just hasn't been able to execute because he's got other guys that know the defense, that know what to do, that put themselves in the right next position. But he's making them work. When I look at this one, man, I'm just saying to myself, like, Nate Maness gives up takedowns too easy. I love Nate Maness. Uh, I hope that he could change that. He's fun on the feet. I think it could be competitive on the feet because Mendonca keeps his hands like here, right? He keeps them very low, but I just think he's probably a touch faster to the punch as well. Um, I don't know. He landed a couple leg kicks, took uh, him right off his feet. You know, like literally we're taking Basharat off his feet. So I do think Nate Maness cutting down to 125 Mendonca cutting down to 125 i got a lot of questions about both guys i want to see them uh i know that the weigh-ins are probably happening simultaneous to this i'm going to go take a look at how these guys look if they both make weight but considering this fight i just think Mendonca probably has more paths to victory i think nate can win this by knockout we've seen he's resilient he's tough he'll keep throwing but his decision optics are just not great you know um so for me i'm leaning towards the Mendonca side here what do you think
1: yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's crazy to me. I, people are putting a lot of stock in Nate dropping to 125 when he's done it before. And yeah, he might have looked like a skeleton and looked a bit shit. But Mendonca's never done it once in his career. Um, so that will be more alarming to me. Uh, I think violence is the way to go in this one. Um, the under two and a half was something like minus 130, minus 125, which is a great number in my opinion. Uh, I do think someone's going to die. So I think under is the way to go. Um, I did take Maness early just because I thought the line was wild against somebody in Mendonca who's regional tapes poor. You know, these are Owen fucking two guys, 2 and one guys. The guy he beat on Dana White contenders here was, was a bum, so it really doesn't tell us much. He um, did get
0: hit cleanly in that fight a couple times too, Rich, to your point, um, by Ajit. He was getting hit cleanly and then landed one big punch and Ajit was done.
1: Exactly, man. Um, and the Basharat fight, I don't. it's hard to gauge for me because you can say, well, he did three rounds in his debut against him, which is great. But Basharat, he isn't a finisher, man. You can see that from his record. I've been there many times on him trying to bet the submission, um, the late sub for Basharat, and he just plays with his food, man. Um, I think Mendonca was there to be finished, but he just didn't push the pace uh, on him. I think uh, Mendonca was gassed come round two and was there for the take um, so yeah, in this one, it is purely a number bet on the Maness side. And I also like the Undersman man, uh, fight doesn't go the distance. Um, that's a smash spot for me on this card. One of, one of my, um, biggest bets, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I also like that. You know, you look at Nate Maness, he was almost finished in the first round against gravely, got the finish in round two. He was, uh, I think briefly hurt in round one against Sanders got the finish in round two, if my memory serves. Um, but in any, any case, like Nate Maness tough guy, but he gets hurt. It's not like he hasn't been hurt. When you look at Umar, Umar just controlled him from on top, you know, and it was mostly from the guard, but every round towards the end of the round, it looked like he could have finished Nate. It was just like five minute rounds didn't work for Umar that night. You know, he would pass to the Mount and then have 40 seconds left in the round to work. So I look at this and I just say like Nate is like a guy that can be put in dangerous positions on the mat. He can get hurt on the feet. And then he could do the swanging and banging himself. He has a decent enough guillotine himself. So let's see what happens. But you look back at the fight. I think it was Lapalus, right, that knocked him out with that sidekick to the body. I mean, it didn't look It didn't look like that much. That was yeah. the thing that I was like, oh, God. Mendonca, my spinning hook kick to the body now is what I'm worried about. Because, again, Nate is cutting down to 125 pounds. So I'm worried that that durability is not going to be there. We didn't really see Umar beat his ass. We just saw Umar thoroughly route him on the mat. So I do worry about what happens when he gets in some prolonged exchanges here, but um, definitely exciting fight. And I do think somebody is getting finished in that one. But next yeah, I, I got... think, um,
1: oh, please. sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, I think Nate's got good hands, man. Um, they're quite fast. Um, and he is quite educated in the, in the boxing, but it, I, it's his defense. I don't like the way he backs up. Um, he's definitely there to be counted and slept, man. And uh, I think, you know, if Mendonca was going to win, it will be on the feet. Yeah, he's going to push some takedowns, um, but yeah, I think a KO for Mendonca is uh, is is live, man. But the numbers shit.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Thomas Kane says, "Can Liam make 170?" My brother, I compete at 155 pounds, so I I better hope so. Uh, it would be it would be some binge eating uh, to to make me miss 170 frequently. But <laughs> in any case. Uh, We can move to the next one here. Appreciate all the questions. Appreciate all the feedback, guys. 72 people rocking with us live. Hope that each and every one of you guys have dropped a like on the video if you're enjoying the conversation so far. But without further ado, we've got another women's matchup. It's at 115 pounds, the strawweight division. We got Karolina Kobolkevich on the strength of a three-fight win streak, taking on Diana Belbitza here. And this is an interesting fight, Rich, because again, we've got a much younger fighter in Belbiza, and she's a lot less proven in terms of her UFC fight. She hasn't fought the same level of competition. She hasn't been on that same elite tier. She doesn't train with an American top team, but she does train with one of the best teams in Canada, you know, uh, Crew Allen, the House of Champions. It's probably the best Canadian gym right now. They got Mike Malat training there. I believe my guy Chad and passed through there. A lot of really good uh, Canadians in terms of, you know, maybe not the best country for MMA, but like all the, all the ones that are producing, a lot of them are coming out of crew Allen's gym. Uh, so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He does some development of Canadian fighters at a pretty high level. And Diana Belbizza has some of the tools you'd look for, right? She's a very long girl. She's rangy. She's not that afraid of getting hit. We've seen a couple of fights where she kind of folded up shop, but she's had other fights where she's absorbed a ton of damage and kept coming forward, kept throwing. So for me, her optics aren't great. You know, these two women have the same record, but one of them is significantly younger. So I do have a feeling like Belbitza split decision is a live outcome here. You know, Carolina's on a three fight win streak, but what is her motivation to continue? Is she going to fight for a title? Is she going to, you know, move her way up in the weight class? Maybe, but I don't see it going past like one or two more wins. I feel like they will put her against, um, you know, a, a increasing level of difficulty. So I like the fact she's training at American Top Team. I think she's got some redeeming qualities. But for me, the age is something that could always fall out from underneath at any point. Um, you know, in the women's divisions, I find it's a little bit less impactful than in the men's divisions at times. The knockout threat is not necessarily there as much. And I don't think Belbitza is much of a knockout threat. But I do just think of a girl like, um, Carolina as being a, a very fan favorite type fighter. I think she's going to get a lot of public support here. And I think Bel is a girl that the UFC would like for her to eventually put it together. She's marketable on social media. She gets a lot of interaction and she's way younger. So if you know, you have two girls with the same record, but one of them's 10 years younger, there's one girl that could have 10 more fights with the company, 20 more fights with the company. And there's one girl that can't and probably won't. So for me that's the danger in this fight but um I have to ever so slightly I think um lean with Belbita for the for the youth. It's a tricky one for me though and I don't feel bullish about this. What do you think, Rich?
1: Yeah, I think it could get dicey at times, but I think Carolina likely wins the decision, man. Um and I think she's the more marketable one than Belbita. I know Belbita's prevalent on um Twitter and Instagram fucking, you know, having banter with Ben Davis, I remember back in the day, you know. MMA Twitter knows Bell Beater. But um, she's a shit fighter, man, and she never improves. Um, I know she moved camp. Um, she's at that Canadian team now, but she's just the same stupid shit, man. Um, she just wants to go, throw a one twos, put her head down, and see what happens. Um, and on the other side, I think Carolina's marketable. Um, she's pretty. Um, she's Polish. So she's good for um, that market. And um, yeah, she's from a good camp, man. ATT, I think she'll have a good game plan. It is concerning. She's had one foot out the door. She is 37 and the rest of it. Um, but I think the takedowns are going to come easy, man. Even if she doesn't even mean to take Belbita down. Belbita's fought the likes of Maria Classic Oliveira. Classic
0: accidental takedown in women's MMA.
1: Bro. When she fought Maria Oliveira and Oliveira was literally just falling onto her and she was like laying on her back for like a full minute before she even decided to get up. Um, imagine betting Belbita and she does that shit in this fight. I can't do it um and i am i don't feel comfortable taking the line on carolina either so it's a pass from me but i think carolina should get it done man um just because of the optics i think she is going to get some top time whether she wants it or not um is going to give it to her so um yeah carolina for me man
0: yeah and i could see it for sure you know the thing that i don't like is that she's on a three fight win streak here where I almost feel like it could make her a little bit more complacent, you know, a little bit more. uh, I do think she's got some confidence and some momentum, but I just feel like this is a kind of trap fight um, personally, but it's not a fight I feel super bullish about. So we can move to the next fight on the card here. Really fun one. We got Felipe Lynch taking on Iwan Kutelaba. This seems to be the talk of the week here. Um, And you know, the thing that makes me hesitant here about, backing Felipe Lins is I got the same price against a worse fighter I felt like, or a fighter who was a little bit less dangerous, maybe not worse because he could fight the whole 15 minutes, but a fighter that's a little less dangerous in Maxine Grishin, I bet like a plus 140 in that spot. When I'm looking at this though, you know, Iwan Kutalaba is a guy that we know is pretty reliable to fight for about six minutes and that's it. And sometimes even less than that, you know, he's gassed out in the first round before against the Kennedy and Zechiku and got hurt in that spot. After landing a huge punch on Kennedy and Zechiku, whose shin has been called into question by that Dao Jung performance, he then goes for a takedown, Rich, and takes him down and then gasses out. It's like some people you can't help in this life. So the thing that I I don't know um, what I want to do with this fight is you got an older guy in Felipe Linz. He could get caught, you know, cold early. He does keep his hands a little bit lower. And this is a light heavyweight fight. So it, in has a lot of volatility to it but i feel like felipe Lins better grappler i feel like iwan kutalaba not good grappling decisions uh we've seen that in a number of fights where he's getting submitted by johnny walker sbg ireland stand up baby sbg ireland in the building johnny walker's taking your back in the first round easily like just things that for me uh did not like to see so i like the felipe Lins side here just as an outright pick never been an iwan kutalaba guy uh, personally, I think Kutalaba could win this fight. I mean, he's got um steroid takedowns and big punches in the early going. You know, he's a little bit of a wild man, but I just I'm not sold on Kutalaba. Give me Felipe Lynch, and I think he could mix it up with a submission here. Uh, I think I bet on Linz by submission and have been disappointed in the past when he just grinded out an ugly decision. He he might do the same thing here, but I just like Linz to have more gas in the tank, despite being the older guy.
1: Yeah, just to address what the uh, chat is saying about Carolina being the older person. um, Age doesn't really mean dick in MMA anymore. We've seen that with Robbie Lawler winning at 42. Tim Means most recently, you know, just because somebody's younger doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to win the fight. You could argue against it and say experience comes with age um, against these youngsters. So uh, I don't put too much stock in the the age of fighters when I'm I'm capping man. And, um, yeah, that goes to show in, in this fight we're talking about now, Linz versus uh, Kutalaba, man. He's got, like, a 10-year age difference on him. But to be honest, Kutalaba's, like, 29. But realistically, he's, like, 40, man, in fight years. The damage he's taken, the fights he's had, the weight class he's fighting at also. Um And, yeah, I'm not impressed, man. He's, his record's bullshit. He gets a win over Devin Clark, who's trash. Um, couldn't finish him. He's... Um, who was the other person who fought? There was, there was two. Um, most recently, he got a win. Oh, Tanner Bosa. He, he TKO'd him or didn't TKO him.
0: first cut to 205.
1: Yeah, that, that was some bullshit. You could argue it was an early stoppage by the ref. And then you look outside of that and all his losses, man. He's got, he's got a fucking few in the UFC. I know Linz is on the source. Um, he's rejuvenated. He's from Dominance MMA, so he's got that Ali up. So there's a lot of pros on the Linz side for me. I think he's got the grappling edge which um, Kutalab has shown he's got a big deficiency in um, getting subbed uh, quite a few times in the UFC. So Linz at plus 130, I think is a bit wild. There are a few dog spots on this card, and I think Linz is one of them. Um, The submissions going down as well. Last time I looked, it was 600 coming down from 800. I'm not sure what it is now. I'll have a look in a minute. Um, but yeah i like lynn's i like lynn's submission um i hope Qtalaba does take him down and it gets reversed uh i think he's got a hundred percent takedown defense uh philip Linz as well so that bodes well for him and um yeah he's the side for me especially at dog odds man so
0: i'm pretty sure that felipe Linz opened the favorite at bet online so y'all take that for whatever it's worth all, all my homies in the chat sharpest chat in the game but Y'all make sure you do your homework because pretty sharp odds makers thought that Linz should be favored here. Public came in and said otherwise. So we'll see what happens. Still a volatile fight, still light heavyweight. But uh, I think that, you know, oddsmakers are respecting Felipe Linz going out there and getting two 15-minute wins in the UFC, whereas Iwan Kutalaba tends to meme early finishes or lose to guys. So we'll see what happens.
1: That sub number's gone from 800 to 600 to 500 now on um, a bet online. So yeah money's coming in on it man
0: yep next up brother we got bill algeo taking on alexander hernandez and for me this is a prove-it spot for alexander hernandez you know until he proves it i can't i can't side with him. at 145 pounds i did not think he looked very good last time out um i thought that he struggled in that spot and he said going in you know my uh d wasn't working like i'm having physical problems there's so little uh food that i could eat so now you know he gets a win at 155 over a 39 year old jim miller who's a a great fighter but basically hernandez could just keep the fight upright jim miller has less cardio than alexander hernandez so more power to him but in any case he doesn't finish jim now he's cutting back down to 145 pounds I don't know about Alexander Hernandez, man. I, I haven't liked what I've seen from him in extended fights. Bill Algio's never been knocked out. He hasn't been submitted since the regional scene. So for me, I just look at this and I say, Bill Algeo, maybe he gets knocked out here for the first time. Anything's possible. It's MMA. But if that doesn't happen, I think Hernandez is in for a tough fight because Hernandez likes to throw a lot early. He likes to spend himself looking for finishes. If he doesn't do that here, Bill Algeo is going to try and pick away at him. He's going to try and get in the clinch, grab a hold of him, lean on him, and just make it a sloppy, ugly fight. And I feel like Bill has been in a million of those, and he thrives in those. And I think the opposite is true of Alex. So I just like Bill to get this done either in the later stretches or via decision. Um, you know, I kind of think back to, uh, who was it, Billy Q's last fight that went to decision, um, but he ended up landing uh, the important shots in round two and three to get the win. I can see that being the case here as well, uh, because Hernandez sometimes toughs it out, right? The Tiago Moises fight, he got pretty cleanly, soundly outboxed for that fight. But he didn't end up quitting in that fight. He just fought out the 15 minutes and then rode off into the sunset. I think he might do the same here. So give me uh Bill Algeo. I think he's gonna get the win. And uh I think it's gonna be a close fight though. So I uh, don't know if I'm gonna get to the window on this one, but I like Bill to get it done. Also, the it's like three to one on Bill by sub. Pretty low number, in my view. I wanted I was thinking about betting it because I was like, I don't think he's gonna TKO him, but I think he'll wear him down and then Alex will eventually just give up a bad position. But um not
1: a three to one for me yeah the line movement's wild on this one um i don't think there's some injury on the bill side i think it's just people um i don't know watching some tape liking alex or whatever it is but i don't think there's some injury driving the line um i think the way i'd attack this one is hernandez by decision which is plus 300 or Algio by uh, submission which you can get 350 390 on one of the books unibet uh, I don't really see it going either way um, outside of that. So, yeah, that's how I target. I'm staying away uh, myself. I don't know how people can be super confident, especially when you see Alex at 145 last time. Um, you know, then he beats Jim Miller. So what? Um, doesn't really mean much. You know, Jim's notoriously ranked one or bust. So, yeah, I don't see how people can be super confident on either side, man. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd just advise maybe take a shot at one of the props. That uh, just seems to be both guys' path to victory, you know, the decision for Alex or the sub for Algio, man. Um, But yeah, personally, I'm staying away, man.
0: Fair play. And yeah, this is a, a fight that kind of screams a little bit of volatility. The line movement, a little bit alarming for me as well. I'm going to watch this space. You know, I'm going to watch this space. I'm going to see what information I could get. And, um, but again, m- for me, it's a long term ABC, say, so always bet on cardio and the proven guy algio has gone out there at 145 pounds and put it on the line with tough guys before he's not getting finished. He's going out there and scrapping. So I just think about that. And I say like, I don't know. I feel like Bill Algio is a more proven featherweight for sure. than a guy like Alexander Hernandez, you're betting on upside with Hernandez and that's fine. But I just think if you want a more proven commodity for this weight class, it's Bill Algio. Next up, Drew Dober taking on Ricky Glenn. This feels like a potential banana peel fight. Um, You know, if you ask me who's the better fighter, it's true, Dober. You know, I think he's a more effective fighter. He's got good power in his hands. Um, But Ricky Glenn, he's a guy that's kind of awkward. You know, he gave Grant Dawson one of his most difficult fights in the UFC. Grant Dawson has won every UFC fight except for one draw. It was with Ricky Glenn. And I bet Ricky Glenn plus 400 in that spot. So the problem for me here is both of these guys are coming off a KO1, but one guy's being priced like a lock to win the fight, 80%. I do think of this fight as... Dober should win the fight. He should have opportunities to knock out Ricky Glenn. I think Ricky Glenn keeps his chin up in the air. I think he's pretty susceptible to getting hit at this stage of his career, but he's also a guy that could start to unload on you if it gets later in the fight. We've seen Terrence McKinney almost knock out Drew Dober in the first round. We've seen a lot of guys now put Drew Dober in dangerous positions in the first round. So at these huge favorite indications, I just, I can't I can't get to the well with Drew Dober here. What I'm more inclined to get to, Rich, is the under. Uh, I feel like both of these guys, maybe they come out gun shy because they've been knocked out in their last fight. I've never seen Drew Dober look gun shy in his life. He comes out trying to throw, um, you know, for life and death. And when he was getting beat up by Bobby Green, he still was able to find that kill shot. So I feel like in this fight, he's going to be the one pressuring, coming forward, trying to enforce that on Ricky Glenn. And Ricky Glenn might knock him out by accident. But if not, I feel like he's probably going to get finished at some point in this fight. So I'm leaning towards the under here, Rich. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think Ricky Glenn knocking him out by accident is low percentage, man. I think uh, I think Dober probably finishes him early. Um, the injuries have been piling up for Glenn for a while. Perry's Instagram he's just out walking and hiking and bullshitting about not really training. I didn't like his uh his response to his loss in his last fight. He was like, meh, shit happens. Um, I think he's been there, done that, seen it in his career, and he's on the tail end of it now, showing up for a check, man. So I, I think Dober gets it done in two rounds, man, probably round one. Um, you know, not too nothing too deep to say on this fight. I think Dober gets it done, man.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, I won't be parlaying it up, but I think Dober gets the win here. He should. Um, and it seems like they're trying to do him a favor. You know, they gave him that Matt Favola spot. I thought Favola was going to take him down and submit him. But instead, Favola was like, hold this for me and just put a right hand through his chin. So um, let's see if Dober can respond here. I think he can.
1: Yeah, do- Dober's great for the market, man, for, for the for the women market, getting a more wet. Good looking guy, man.
0: he is a handsome fellow. And you know, the other thing he's got a fun fighting style. I don't know if anybody dislikes drew Dober. Um, You know, he just seems like a really likable guy comes forward, puts on scraps and humble in victory or defeat. So drew Dober for the win, man. Uh, Cool guy. Next up, we got Alex Morono taking on Joaquin Buckley. This is a really difficult fight for me, Rich. I'm looking at this on paper and I'm saying to myself, the things that I like about Buckley, I think he's more likely to mix in takedowns in this spot. I think he's got more power on the feet. Um, and I think that he could probably close the distance on Alex Morono and land some good shots. The problems that I see for him in this fight is that Buckley has been shinned a couple times. You know, Morono's got a pretty basic approach to the game, but he's got a good coach. His coach is constantly screaming at him. He's very coachable, and so Safe Saidu is like, "Move, left, circle, go, Alex, don't stand there." And he's like, just very attentive to what his corner is saying. So you see, he's like a programmed fighter out there, and so. A lot of the times he'll make some basic mistakes because he's not the most athletic guy, but he listens and he takes direction. So I think that Alex Morono is a good fighter. He's got a good process. He's overperformed expectations, no doubt about it, in the UFC, way overperformed as an underdog. But this is also one of those rubber meets the road type of situations. You look at his quality of competition in the UFC. <laughs> not very good. A lot of the fighters he's fought recently, they've been cut. They've been let go. They haven't really uh, shown up in these fights. Whereas Buckley's fought a lot of guys that are quality. Imovov, Holland. these are guys that are like ranked fighters, relevant at 185 pounds. So I do think of Buckley as a guy who can win big fights, who can make a difference. And he's been in those fights. Imovov, I thought Imovov was going to run through him, honestly. And it was a much closer fight. Daraev, I bet Buckley there because of the weird interactions before the fight and the former training partner dynamic. He absolutely whooped Daraev's ass. Um, you know, everybody's like, Jun Young Park is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I made a mistake there. I thought Albert Durayev was going to win that fight. But in any case, you just look on paper and it's like maybe we were just undervaluing some of what Buckley was able to do. Came through as a big underdog himself in that spot. So now you're getting a short favorite price uh on the Buckley side. I feel like he probably gets the job done here, but. I'm just not, I'm not bullish on this because in the past I have faded Buckley. I didn't think he was all that good. His chin has given him problems before and he's cutting to 170. So it could always rear its ugly head here, but I do think he's probably more equipped to be at 170 at 185. He was way smaller than his opponents. I think now he feels strong. He feels bullish on coming forward and taking guys down. He was able to take Razak down many times and he has no technique at all. He's just strong and keeps a low head on a low double and pulls people's knees out from under them. That's the right idea against Morono, who's got a good guillotine, because you don't want to get on a high single leg and then be caught in a high elbow or something. So for me, I think Morono's live to win this fight by guillotine. I think that Buckley does like to shoot a lot of takedowns and could put himself in a vulnerable spot, but I think he's done the right level of preparation. He's taken off his shirt. He's proud of the work he's put in. I feel like he's got a lot of confidence. Give me Buckley here, um, but hesitant. I think somebody's probably getting finished in this fight, Um, but again, I, I don't have the clearest read on this dynamic. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think the line's off, man. And as soon as I saw it, I jumped on Murano, and I still think the line's off. I think it's a competitive fight. Um, yeah, Buckley, he is confident. You know, he, he I'm already sweating my bet, and the fight hasn't even fucking started. You know, I do like his confidence, and he is improving. Um, I don't think wrestling Murano would be wise. I think Murano's better um, in the jiu-jitsu and could easily catch him with something. He has to be careful. And that guillotine slick, man, um, he puts it on fast. I agree. Yeah, but on the feet, I do think you know um, it's it's been said or already. You know, he's more athletic, he's faster, Buckley, which is all true. But he always impresses me, Morano. You know, he doesn't look super imposing. You know, people in the chat are taking the piss, saying he's a bit tubby, uh, a bit flabby, which he is. But um, you know, it doesn't matter when he gets in there and fight, man. He he holds his own with him, the best of them, and he even finishes the best of them. I know Cowboy was washed at that point, but. You know, he did what was needed to be done and, and finished the fight, man. So, yeah, Morano at these odds, um, I think you have to have a little bet, man.
0: The thing for me about Morano that I didn't love, on because I did uh, tape this fight today, there was a couple times where he had Santiago Ponzinibbio badly hurt in the first round and in the third round, and he just didn't capitalize. Like, his finishing instincts on the ground are pretty good, but on the feet, they're just not there for me. And you look back... And like the resume is so good in terms of the wins. You're like, whoa. But then you just start picking them apart and you're like, oh, David Zawada. Oh, this guy. And you're like, yeah, none of those guys really panned out. So he's been around a long time winning fights. But I'm also like, is this like really as good as I think it is? Or is it kind of smoke and mirrors on the resume? Because a lot of times when he's stepped up against more athletic guys, I think of like a Chaos Williams, even things are going sideways quick, right? And that that was Chaos's debut. So maybe people just didn't know about him at that point. but um it just seemed like morono he's the kind of guy that well here's what i like as well rich this is probably one of the only fights he's had in like five years where he has a full camp right because like most of the time they're like hey morono we got a fight for you in two days you ready he's like yeah sure and that's part of the reason he shows up looking fat this time he showed up really difficult to get on the scale at 170 i think for whatever reason even though he had the full preparation i don't know if you've seen the pictures rich he was like doing one of these like squat deals before he got on the scale. I was like, Oh God, Oh God. Um, because again, he's going against a power puncher here, but Morono more paths, uh, to potentially victory inside the distance. I I would be stunned if Buckley submitted, um, Alex Morono, but basically every other uh, path I feel like is open here. I think both these guys are chinny a little bit. So I'm expecting somebody to get violently finished here, Rich.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm just checking out what Buckley KO is, man. Yeah, fucking, I can't play that. Plus 100. Um, That's some bullshit, man.
0: Yeah, that's gross. That's gross. So I think it's probably priced where you either got to get on uh, some Morono uh, side or you've got to take the Buckley money line. I wouldn't play any Buckley props uh, at, at that pricing, personally. Uh, maybe the decision, if you think that Buckley is going to ride out a decision, he did do that against uh Razak, fought very conservative, and that one. And Razak, if y'all have been listening, has been lighting his ass up. He's like, He promised me we were going to stand a bang. He's like, <laughs> fuck That guy, he, he's a P word. He was going off on him. So, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, guys, y'all, y'all, uh, watch out for him because he's up next and he's taking on Joe Pfeiffer. Be like Joe Pfeiffer guys I I watched back the tape and I heard a lot of people saying like man Piper looked uh you know he's he's done nothing he's proved nothing I mean fair enough but also I watched back the tape and I don't know what more you can ask for in some ways like a little bit more volume yes that would be cool but he seems like a guy who really measures his shots who like wants to find good shots to land and he throws at opportune times you know I thought his uh shot selection was very good in the fights that he's had so far in the UFC the Gerald Muhardt fight uh he went out there. He picked his, his spots and Gerald, as soon as he felt the power, was like, yo, I'm out of here. Then they grappled and he decisively beat him. It was not close at all. I rewatched that guys. He took him down. He went for several submission attempts. He was a much more aggressive offensive competitor. And yeah, Gerald didn't have that much to offer in a pure grappling context either. So I think that Joe Piper, he's a lifelong martial artist. He's a guy that's got a lot of experience under his belt. Um, his competition experience is something he's still got to develop. And I think that's why they're giving him a 38-year-old opponent here who's not bad, who's not a bad fighter at all, but he's got physical tools that he can leverage in this fight. He's a little bit longer. Both of these guys have power, but who would you expect to be more durable? The guy who is younger, the guy who's about 29 years of age. Joe Piper, you look at some of his old footage. He looked all right. Now he looks like an athlete. He looks like a guy who's put on significant amounts of muscle. He looks like a guy who's on a training regimen and a program. And I think that he's put together a much more solid physique for this level. Even from when you look at that arm break, you know, uh, on the contender series, he got another opportunity. Dana White bought the guy an effing house. I'm like, okay, Dana likes this guy a lot, right? Does he do that for everybody, right? No. So I think about this and I say, why are they giving him Razak? Razak in his last fight was breathing a little bit heavy, in my humble opinion, landed the shots, did his thing. He took a lot of leg kicks in that fight. He started to look like he wasn't maybe inclined to take many more of those, was switching stances a little bit. So I think of Piper as a guy who's going to be well-coached coming into this fight. Marquez MMA typically does a very good job game planning for their opponents, minus the Bilal Muhammad fight. They shouldn't have accepted a fight against a guy named Muhammad over there. That was probably a bad idea in hindsight. But in any case, you look at this and you say, Joe Piper is getting a co-main event spot against a 38-year-old who's been spotty in the UFC, who hasn't been very active overall, who does have fun style, but puts himself in danger and has been knocked out in the UFC. So I look at this and I say to myself, Joe Piper is probably the better grappler here. I think that we saw Buckley easily taking this guy down. I think that we could see Piper take this guy down. People are saying Piper never goes for takedowns. Did y'all watch his fight on Contender Series where he took down Ozzy Diaz and went for like three submission attempts in a short order and then beat him up again on the feet? So I look at this and I say to myself, Joe Piper just seems like a comprehensively better fighter to me. He's much younger. I think he's going to win this fight. I think he's going to do it inside the distance. And i think he's going to submit him as a matter of fact what do you think rich
1: yeah we agree joe pythor will submit him um it was i'm just looking at it now man and i'm good because i haven't jumped on it yet i wanted to see where the line's gone but it's going uh, out of my favor opened at 500 and it is now plus three seven five for the submission uh, and it's only going to get worse man it'll probably be plus 300 come fight night if you're lucky So, yeah, get on Joe by submission. Not going to add too much. You've pretty much said it all, but, you know, he understands the assignment, man. He's going to wrestle. He's going to take him down. Alessandro's going to gas come round two or three, and he's going to sink something in and submit him, man. And get a bonus from Dana. There you go. Go and fucking buy a new couch for your house that we bought you or some shit.
0: I agree. And, yeah, Sophie brought up the point that I was going to bring up there. Uh, He got KO'd by Chaos Williams. Guys, it was in the first minute. and. It, it was a brutal, brutal knockout. If y'all have ever heard me use the expression, he put him in the box. That's where it comes from. Okay. That was, that was Razak getting put in the box, my man. Um, and again, wish him well, fun fighter, cool style. I like his press conferences, but uh, I just think that this, to this spot, Joe is being set up for victory. And I think he's going to deliver. And that leads us to the main event, of course, Rich. And we've got Grant Dawson, AGD. King Grant Dawson is what that stands for. I heard this week in the UFC preview. Taking on Bobby King Green. There can be only one king. Who is going to wear the crown on Saturday night? Rich will kick it to you first, my man.
1: Yeah, nothing too profound to say, man. I'm I'm staying away. Dawson should get his um his grappling going, should get his takedowns. Um, I just hate the guy, man, so um it's hard to bet on him. Um probably gets a submission but the number's shit so i'd be more inclined to bet the ko on the um on the dawson side and hope you know it's just a matter of like an accumulation of takedowns and he gets it in round three four five Um, when bobby's just like you know this is bullshit. uh I- i'm already getting paid fuck it and just uh you know tries and fight tries to find a way out of there um But, yeah, the the number's shit on the sub, so you can't play it, man. Um, But, yeah, I've really got nothing, bro, to be honest, uh, on on this one. It's just a shit main event. It shouldn't be happening. Um, But, you know, there's that argument. Would you prefer to have more cards and shit fights on it or better fights and less cards in the year? I'm one of the people who wants a card every weekend, so it is what it is. Um, But, yeah, this main event's a bit bullshit for me. I'm not really interested, man.
0: You know, the spot I'm looking at here is Grant Dawson inside the distance. You know, I, I like Bobby Green. If you guys have listened to my content for a long time, you know, I'm a fan of Bobby Green. I've bet him a number of times. But for me, I was out on Bobby Green after the Drew Dober fight, you know, because I bet him in that spot. And guys, I think comprehensively, Bobby Green's a better fighter than Drew Dober. I, I believe that's my core. You watch that fight, y'all tell me differently, right? Uh, I, I think that you watch and you see the minutes, the progressions, who's winning every every combination every series it was bobby green um and then he got knocked out by a huge punch from drew dober and that for me was where i was like oh if bobby can't take the punches anymore his style's not going to work cuz he does a lot of baiting people to hit him he does a lot of shoulder roll and whatever jared gordon i thought was cleanly winning some exchanges against bobby green in the boxing and i bet him as an underdog there and and the head clash happens. And unfortunately, our guy, Jerry Gordon, was not blessed with the world's greatest chin. That's just not how he was dealt his card. So he goes out off the head clash. Okay. But now we look at this and I'm like, this is a spot where Grant Dawson is 8-0-1 in the UFC. I bet on him in the one draw. Or excuse me, I bet against him in the one draw. Right. So I've looked for my opportunities to get against Grant Dawson because he was training with Kraus, he's training, you know, with lower level guys, he's gassing out in his fights. I didn't trust his three round cardio. I bet Leo Santos against him as well, Rich. Why? Leo Santos, 41 years of age. Everybody would dismiss him, but he's a Jiu-Jitsu world champion. And the way I structured my bets on that fight was that I had um Leo Santos inside the distance. Leo Santos round one. Leo Santos round two. And Grant Dawson round three. Plus 1,200. The only bet to cash. Grant Dawson with the hammer fist at the bell sends his mouthpiece flying. It's one of the greatest knockouts that you'll see in the UFC, in my opinion. I was going bananas when that was happening. Grant Dawson fought brutally to the finish, like just never let the guy off the hook. And that was a really difficult fight for him against a guy who was really competent in the area where he wants to impose his will. You know who else is really competent there? Jerry Gordon. Jerry Gordon's a really difficult guy to submit. He's a Henzo Gracie brown belt, uh, black belt in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if I'm wrong, right? I haven't checked into Jared's credentials, but he was a brown belt for a long time. So he could have gotten his black belt. In any case, He's a very good grappler. Not easy to get one over on. We've seen other guys really struggle trying to leverage a grappling game plan against Jerry Gordon, not him. He was able to do it. Jerry Gordon typically has a great cardio. He was able to get him in round three. Grant Dawson wouldn't have been able to do that until he moved to American top team. When he moved to American top team, he's gotten a lot better. Take that for whatever it's worth. He's gotten a lot better in a number of ways. I think in part it's because he's got better training partners. I also mentioned several times this week, and I think it's true. That of the the bromance between him and Tiago Moises, of that friendship, the buddy cop uh, dynamic that they have, I think Grant Dawson is benefiting so much more. Tiago Moises, he's got that problem, in my opinion, where he just can't take pressure very well. Grant Dawson applies pressure better than most people do. He gets a hold of you, and he makes you tired, he makes you uncomfortable, and he makes you want to quit. And I think that Bobby Green has good grappling. He's got decent fundamental skills. And I thought that for that reason, he was at least going to extend Islam Mahashev into the second round, the third round. I was like, Bobby is going to be out physical here. He's going to be out technique, but he's going to keep it competitive. And he didn't. And you know what happened that just threw me off was that after that fight, after the TKO, Islam picks him up with his hand and Bobby and him just walk around the octagon arm to arm. It was like Bobby couldn't care less that he lost. You know, I want my guy to be more pissed than me when they lose the fight. Because if they're not, I bet on the wrong person. And um, Daniel, you better watch your mouth, brother, because you are a troll, brother. Um, And Sean Brady will put you in a guillotine. Grit and guillotines, my brother. Come find out what Irish Jiu-Jitsu is all about. But in any case, uh, I think that what we need to pay attention to here is the fact that Grant Dawson, on a huge win streak, very productive as a UFC favorite who has not been productive in their role as a UFC underdog, Bobby Kingreed He has not been turning you a great profit. Um, he's not been performing very admirably in that role. He's actually done better as a favorite in the UFC. So I look at this spot as a grant Dawson. win. I do think he's going to finish Bobby green in this fight. Uh, I don't like what I've seen from Bobby on the ground in recent fights. I do think there was a time when this would have been much more competitive. Bobby green, good scrambler, dynamic movements, I don't know that he has the same fire, the same hunger that we used to see from him. And so for that reason, give me Grant Dawson. Give me Grant Dawson inside the distance. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the first couple rounds either because that's kind of what we've seen from Bobby. Uh, When he gets finished, it tends to be earlier on in the fight. So for me, uh, Grant Dawson here is the side. What do you think, Rich?
1: Yeah, you Uh, you make some good points there, man, that are are making me think and pushing me on a a bet on um, Dawson. Bobby's been paid in his last few fights. He certainly got paid for the Islam fight on... Um, was it short notice, the Islam fight? I can't remember.
0: Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was. I think it was put together on short notice or maybe boosted to the main event on short notice. Let me check what that was.
1: Yeah, n- nevertheless, he's been paid, man. And Bobby's all, like, ego and flashy about the money, pay- paying his baby mamas, buying another fucking chain to put around his neck. Um so I think a guy like Bobby, when he gets paid, man, that's just like, you know, it's hard to go running when you're sleeping in silk sheets, they say. And I think that definitely applies to him. Um, so I can see that, man. Maybe he gets taken down in round one or two, and he's just like, you know, fuck it, I'm getting paid anyway. Um, and yeah, you're too nice to say it, but yeah, all them motherfuckers at att are on the steroids, man. Um, steroids have never been more prevalent in in the UFC. I don't know what the fuck Novinsky's doing, but you know, he hands out a a jacket now and again to the likes of fucking Max Holloway every couple of months. And we're supposed to think that, you know, he's doing his job. Um, Yeah. So I do think Dawson's on the source. um, And yeah, man, you're, you're convincing me to put a fucking, bet in
0: here. You know, I don't love the the money line price. Like it's pretty cost prohibitive. um, But I do think he's going to win ITD. Um, So I'm, I'm looking at a couple of those things here. Um, I, I just think, when I look at this fight on paper, Bobby has some path later on in the fight. Like I said, I've seen Grant Dawson slow down in the past, but I feel like he's just improved that a lot. And he's getting training partners now that could really resist him on the ground. One problem I think he was having was that he was the best guy in his room by a lot. So he was just beating everybody's ass. And like that that can do something for you, but it can't do everything. Chael Sonnen uh, always says you need guys that can push you, guys that uh, whip you, and guys you can whip. Because that's how you really get better. You need to get humbled by the guys that can whip you. You need to whip on some guys to get some confidence. And you need people that can really push you and give you that full go so you can get your progressions. And I think that that is what I want to see from a guy like Grant Dawson in this fight. I want to see him so show signs of improvement. I considered playing Grant Dawson by KO in this fight because of what we saw in the Islam fight where Bobby kind of just shelled up and positionally was just covering a little bit. Um, and that I could see, you know, Grant Dawson gets to good positions. A lot of times he does it with the back, with the body triangle. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I just have a feeling like Bobby green would probably rather lose via TKO than via sub. That's, that's a gut feeling for me, but I don't think he's going to want to hit him with that little tap on the rear naked choke. I think he'd rather, you know, go out fighting, but personal opinion in any case. Yeah. Any closing thoughts for me, Rich?
1: yeah i do do, um also agree man i I think them days of dawson you know flaking like in the santos fight and getting tired i do think them days are over man um it is amazing what these steroids can do or epo whatever the fuck he's on so um yeah i do think them days are over man that's all i was gonna add
0: yeah and i don't mean any criticism by this any of the guys from att if you want to send something my way hey sure i'll sample it for you i'll let people know it it's an effective product i'm kidding of course but in any case, guys, I I tend to agree. I think there's some uh, something special in the water over at ATT. They're doing a great thing. They're producing a lot of great fighters. So for me, fun fight, uh, good good uh, scrap, but it's not the best UFC on paper. Good betting opportunities along the way. I think you got to pick your spots here, and I think there is value on the table. So. I'm excited. I'm glad that you guys joined us. I hope that you guys have enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure you go ahead and drop a like. If you have questions, comments, or concerns about things that we discussed on the show, if you're more curious, go ahead and drop those comments in the comment section below. Try and answer as many of them as possible uh, before showtime tomorrow. So guys, 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, UFC's getting rolling. Make sure that you tune in that dial uh, and hopefully you guys all win some money. Whether you tail fade or you're indifferent. We're wishing you the best of luck. Rich, why don't you let the people know where they can find all the great work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, check me out on Twitter, man. Just Win Baby. Uh, Got a Patreon going. It's only something like $10 a month or something. We've got a nice Discord group. Uh, I'm going to do a promo for November. Don't know what yet. Still thinking about it. Um, But yeah, if you want to check out the bets, uh, join up, man.
0: Love it. And guys, if you're looking for more information, uh, you can always find it in the description box below, both for my guests and for myself. Uh, my name's Liam. You can find me picking fights on this channel each and every week, putting out some uh, you know, feelers to do some long form content as well. So if you guys have long form content ideas for me, go ahead and throw those in the uh, comment section as well. But I'm planning to do a longer form video about the James Crow situation, everything that we know, everything that's public information. Uh, tying up some loose ends, trying to look for some confirmed rumors in the background as well. So if that's the kind of stuff that you're interested in, make sure you fire off your comments because this is a a viewer driven platform. I talk a lot about these fights because I know that's what you guys are interested in, but we saw a lot of traction when I was talking about the crowd situation on the channel. And a lot of people are interested in where that is at right now myself included. So uh, anything where we have coalesced interest, I would be happy to make content about it. So make sure that you subscribe if you're not already. We're talking fights on this channel each and every week. God bless you all. Enjoy the fights. Until next time, come back and we'll have all the same fun again. Take care, everybody.